Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar. I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be the pastor at Salisbury Center United Methodist Church, where we expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles together. The vision here at Salisbury Center is to love God and others, to serve as an example, to plant seeds of hope, and to nurture one another so that we can make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Amen. Amen, amen. Announcements. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a safe, wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, hope the weather holds out so people can travel back and forth and, and sit around loved ones. This morning's memory verse comes from Psalm 3, 5. Psalm 3, 5. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that our worship would be marked by a glorious and holy intensity. Use our worship to tear down the walls of Jericho and the lives of people in this congregation. Keep our worship fast-paced, upbeat, and most importantly, pleasing in your sight. May the intensity of our worship lead to the praise of your matchless name. Father, we pray that today you would change the hearts of all those who come to worship you, yet are holding something back. We ask you to do a mighty work in their hearts. Make them see you in new and glorious ways. Make them desire you more than silver and gold or any of the other temporary things of this world. Lord, you can change our hearts. Please do change us now. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the bread of life. Let us feast on you and find nourishment for our souls. You are the light of the world. Let us follow you out of the darkness. You are the door. Let us enter the Father's presence in your name. You are the good shepherd. Let us rest in your provision. You are the resurrection and the life. Let us find true life and victory in you. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Let us love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please join me with a call to worship. <clears throat> Praise God, all people of faith and hope. God is our refuge and strength in times of trouble. God gives light to those who live in the shadows. He offers stillness amid the turbulence of our times. By the tender mercy of our God, we meet for worship. God had brought the dawn of a new day for our use. Praise God for signs and wonders all around us. Praise God for peace and reconciliation. Amen. This morning's Lady Scripture is uh, Psalm 2. Psalm 2. It reads, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. 
Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, with trembling. Kiss his feet, or will he will be angry, and you will perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Happy are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. We move to, <clears throat> excuse me, joys and concerns this morning, and I'd continue to, I'd like to lift up uh, my buddy, Mr. H. Uh, Friday, he was officially diagnosed with cancer of one kidney, um, his pelvis, his leg, and his hip. So after Thanksgiving, he will start treatment as they determine the best course. Uh, we'd like to keep Darlene in our prayers. Uh, she is in the hospital, and she has been for several days, so we want to keep her lifted. We want to lift all those people in Buffalo that are going through this major storm. And of course, as I look at my window and I see uh, the town workers out here uh, clearing the church parking lot and the fire department parking lot, I'd like to lift them up too that they're out all hours of the night keeping us safe, keeping the streets cleared for us. So we want to keep all of the town workers, first responders, uh, in, in our prayer. Let us pray. Father God, we confess our need for you today. We need your healing. We need your grace. We need hope restored. We need to be reminded that you, you work on behalf of those you love constantly, powerfully, completely. Forgive us for trying to fix our situations all on our own. Forgive us for running all different directions and spinning our wheels to find help when true help and healing must found, be found by you, Lord. Forgive us for forgetting how much we need you above everyone and everything else. We come to you and bring you the places we're hurting. You see where no one else is able to fully see or understand. You know the pain we've carried, the burdens, the cares. You know where we need to be set free. We ask for your healing and grace to cover every broken place, every wound, every heartache. Thank you that you're able to do far more than we could ever imagine. Thank you for your mighty power that acts on behalf of your children. We reach out to you and know you are restoring and redeeming every place of difficulty, every battle for your greater glory. Thank you. Thank you that you will never waste our pain and suffering. We love you and we need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. The title to this morning's message is Jimmy L. Truesdale. Jimmy L. Truesdale. <clears throat> Last week, we all took a deep breath 
and agreed to take a time out from all the distractions and pressures in our lives. We called our faith out from hiding, declaring Ali Ali oxen free. We also agreed being distracted and beat down is over for us as individuals and as a church. Our goal is to come back to trusting God in everything. We will trust the words of our Father as spoken in Jeremiah 29, 11. He said, he promised, he tells us, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. We played down the what ifs and spent some time focusing on the what is concerning our church body last week. We celebrated church growth not only in numbers, but in spiritual maturity and community care. It was a welcome time out in the midst of political turmoil, rising food prices, rising gas prices, and far too many school challenges. We were gently reminded of all the work God has done and continues to do in our little church and our community. Together we agreed to refuse burying our heads in the sand and pretending things aren't happening. Instead, we'll hold our heads up and trust God, even though they are happening. I ended the message with Psalm 56.3. I asked you to write it down and keep it close, and then read it with faith and confidence whenever you needed to. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. God's got this, whatever this is in our lives. As I prepared for today's message, I wondered if it should be a message of thankfulness again to address the upcoming holiday. But I felt we kind of covered that last week, being thankful together for all that God has blessed us within our church. So as I reflected on the holiday, I asked myself what the one thing was that stood out to me when I thought of Thanksgiving. To me, the answer is relationships. Without a proper relationship, it would be impossible to have a peaceful, thankful, enjoyable celebration. We've all heard the horror stories of families fighting at the dinner table as they celebrate Thanksgiving. So today, I'd like to look to the Bible for some relationship examples. Let's begin with Jesus and the Apostle Peter. Now, Peter was an outspoken and passionate disciple he was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was an apostle and a pillar of the church. Peter's been described as enthusiastic, strong-willed, impulsive, and at times rude and noisy. I have a feeling my wife will be pointing at me this morning when we get to that part. <clears throat> and the next part, Peter stuck his foot in his mouth on many occasions. But still the Lord chose him to be a disciple, and he continued to mold him into exactly who he intended Peter to be. Over and over we read, Peter needed correction, and the Lord gave it. But he used patience, grace, and love. Who can forget Christ's rebuke of Peter in Matthew sixteen twenty three? He said, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus never gave up on Peter. And on a side note, he'll never give up on us either, praise God. 
And then we have Barnabas, the great encourager. The name Barnabas means son of encouragement. And encouragement was his full-time job when Saul was first transformed. When the newly converted Saul came to the Christians of Jerusalem, they were deathly afraid of him. They wanted no part of him. And for good reason. They knew well that this man as Saul had spent his career imprisoning Christians and sending them to their deaths. Acts 9, 26-27 reads, When he, meaning Saul or Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. See, Barnabas stood in that gap between Saul and the other Christians. Barnabas vouched for the reality of his faith in ministry. Can you imagine the New Testament without Paul in it? We then see Barnabas, the encourager, being sent to Antioch in chapter 11. Verses 23 through 26 tells us, When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Scripture said that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Who better for God to send to Paul after his conversion to develop a relationship with, encourage, and to lift up and walk alongside him? Barnabas played a major role in helping Paul become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So after their appointed time together, Barnabas and Paul went out on separate missions. We hear of Paul's adventures in Acts 16.1. Paul went on also to Derbe and to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Here we see the beginning of Paul's relationship with a young believer named Timothy, who of course later became a pillar in the early church because of Paul's investment in his life. As a matter of fact, the relationship between Paul and Timothy grew to the extent that Paul referred to him as my son in faith in 1 Timothy. He said, my son in the faith. In 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 15, we read of Paul's charge to Timothy. He wrote to him and said, now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my sufferings, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe knowing from whom you learned it, 
and how from childhood you have known sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. None of this could have happened had Paul not formed that personal relationship with young Timothy, a relationship that excluded judgment, condemnation, and a demand to get in line or else. No, Paul met Timothy where he was and spent a lifetime encouraging him and teaching him. After all, Paul was in the business of creating disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, right? Sound familiar? Someone wrote that discipleship is standing shoulder to shoulder, iron sharpening iron, encouraging each other, rebuking when necessary, and sharing a common burden for saving a lost world. Barnabas invested time in Saul, creating a disciple for Jesus Christ. At his conversion, we then see Paul duplicate that process with Timothy. And then we see Timothy go out and minister in different churches, creating even more disciples for Jesus Christ. I think I see a pattern here. It would seem we are all called to begin with creating relationships with others, honest relationships, absent selfish ambitions. From there, the roles of mentor and student take place as needed, if needed. But sometimes we just need a shoulder to lean on or to cry on. We know words of encouragement seldom come from this hateful world, and Christians should be quick to fill that void. As the thought of mentor-student came to me, I reflected on some of the mentors that God had placed in my life. One that came to mind was from my military days, all the way back to 1978, actually. I had a boss named Tech Sergeant Jimmy L. Truesdale. Today I'd like to share how he changed not only my military career, but my life. When I was a young man, I spent nearly every day strutting around in my dad's Marine Corps uniform. Everyone called me the young jarhead for years. I just knew I was destined to be a Marine, just like my mom and dad. But as it turned out, when I turned 17, I decided to join the Air Force instead, and I married my high school sweetheart. I went to basic training with that same gung-ho Marine attitude, and couldn't wait to make a career out of serving my country. But something happened shortly after I arrived at my first duty station. Unfortunately, I fell in with the wrong crowd and spent more time being a rebel than being a soldier, if you will. My uniform had holes in them. My boots were no longer shiny enough to reflect the sunlight. I even allowed my hair to grow longer than regulations allowed. And I didn't care. My focus shifted from being the young jarhead to becoming the nonconformist and being proud of it. Until one day, I was confronted by Tech Sergeant Jimmy L. Truesdale. Sergeant Truesdale, you see, was a great supervisor and everyone respected him. One night he pulled me to the side and told me he was recommending me to be part of a highly coveted crew that oversaw all the training and certifications of our weapons troops on the base. I was stunned. 
These training crews were considered the best of the best. Only the sharpest troops were selected to be a part of those teams. I remember being embarrassed as I looked down at the condition of my uniform and my boots. I asked them, how in the world could they select me above the others when my appearance clearly didn't warrant it? His reply changed my life in the military. He softly responded, Hedegar, you can follow the crowd all your life and just fit in, or you can be the man you were intended to be and make a difference in people's lives. I spent the next day buying brand new uniforms, shining my boots, and cutting my hair. I made a covenant to never go back to being a sloppy, lazy person satisfied with simply fitting in with the crowd. My bride will tell you, my military career did an about turn, and we never looked back. You see, Sergeant Truesdale basically suggested I come out from the world and be set apart from those wishing to get away with as much as they can. He saw something in me that I'd forgotten was in me. He saw potential. He saw a professional, carefully hidden behind a sloppy, defiant appearance. For some reason, he put his faith in me, and instead of knocking me down, he lifted me up. He became my encourager. He became my Barnabas, and he literally changed my life. He didn't have to do what he did. He certainly didn't need to spend any time teaching and encouraging me, but he took a chance on this young country boy and changed my life. Sergeant Truesdale didn't judge me. He didn't condemn me, and he didn't see color either. You see, he was a black man who served his country before, during, and after Vietnam, a time when blacks and whites didn't always get along, unfortunately. He had experienced racial slurs from those who didn't look like him, but it didn't stop him from being the man he was, and it should never stop us either. I thanked him for taking a chance on me, of course, but he was transferred out soon after, and he never got to see the effect he had on my career and my life. I wonder how many people can say the same thing about us, that something we did or some act of kindness was enough to change their lives. I never knew what Sergeant Truesdale's religious beliefs were. I'm not even sure if he was a follower of Christ. But maybe, just maybe he was, based on his actions. Maybe he not only read his Bible, but lived his life as a doer of the word, instead of simply a hearer of the word. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens the wits of another. Now, I'm not sure if my wits were sharpened, but I was definitely sharpened. Sergeant Truesdale didn't demand I change or clean up my act or prove myself before he recommended me for that position. He met me where I was, encouraged me, and gave me the choice to change or not. That's our calling, brothers and sisters, to meet others where they are and develop honest relationships. I quoted this once before, but a man convinced against his will remains unconvinced. We can't push people into a relationship with Christ, but we can lead them there if they see Christ in us.
my constant prayer. Constant prayer is for Jesus to help me see Christ in people. Not the color of their skin, the car they drive, the house they live in, or the size of their bank accounts. I pray that I see Christ in everyone. And then I pray that my words, actions, and reactions allow those people to see Christ in me. We are called to create disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Let us take time this Thanksgiving to reflect on those who've taken a chance on us, mentored us, or developed relationships with us, and then be truly thankful. And then let's pray for the Lord to put people in our lives to encourage, to mentor, and to love on in the name of Jesus Christ. You never know. You may just be the reason someone's life has changed. Let it be so. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that all people might come within the reach of your saving embrace. Clothe us in your spirit that we, stretching out our hands in loving service for others, may bring those who do not know you to an awareness and love of you, who with the Father and Holy Spirit live and reign, one God forever. We thank you for the gift of the church. Though in days of Abraham you've made it known that you desire to have a people, a royal priesthood that will bring honor and glory to your holy name. This holy nation was destined to be a source of blessing to the world. Father, it's a privilege to be a part of the body that you created, to be the dwelling place of truth, grace, loving fellowship, and assault in light of the world so desperately needed. We celebrate this community and we thank you for each member that you've called and equipped to serve. Each one is precious. Today we commit ourselves to the care, nurture, building up, edifying, and protection of the precious body of Christ. We thank you for the head of the body, Jesus Christ. Teach us to humbly depend on you for guidance and help in every situation. We pray that you will give us a sincere love for our brothers and sisters so that the world will recognize the truth and power of the gospel. We pray that as we walk in the Spirit, we will diligently preserve the unity of the Spirit by living at peace with you and with one another. We pray that you will enable us to be patient with one another, to bear one another's burdens, and to generously offer mercy and forgiveness to each person just as you have offered mercy to each of us. Lord, may our spiritual communities be a safe place where we can confess our sins and share our struggles and grow in holiness. Make us a people of prayer who intercede daily on the behalf of the needs of our spiritual family, both here and around the world. Keep us on our knees, always submitting to you and mutually submitting to one another. May our church be known as the houses of prayer of which Jesus spoke. May we love and live in harmony with one another so that those around us will be filled with a longing for the Christian life. Lord, fill us and use us so that our friends, neighbors, family, and loved ones will be drawn to Jesus as they observe Christian love in action. We your people look forward to the day when believers from the four corners of the earth will gather before your throne. On that day, 
Men and women from every tribe and nation will give you the honor and glory you are due. Give us strength and wisdom as we work to bring others into the fellowship of the church, ready to join with those who worship you with gladness and thanksgiving. Heavenly Father, we pray, build your church. Amen. When we give our money, we give a part of ourselves. All we possess belongs to God, to whose purposes we now dedicate our offerings. <clears throat> As we move to the offering, I just once again like to thank you, uh, those who are blessing this church with, with your offerings. Um, we've already had uh, donations towards the disaffiliation. Um, and I just, I thank you. I thank you for being obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you. Thank you so much for blessing us. And we will continue to spread that money into the community, helping those in need. And like I said, you get credit for that as well. Let us pray. Almighty Creator God, we humbly bring our gifts to you this day. On Calvary's cross, your Son redefined for the world what it meant to rule, what it meant to be a king. In his life teaching and interacting with people, Jesus redefined what it means to give in a way that pleases God. May we in this season live and give in a way that reflects the reign over us and the one who lives within us. In the exalted name of Christ, we pray this prayer. Amen. Step out into the light that God will provide this week. Rejoice in the tender mercy of our God and give thanks. Let the Good Shepherd lead you each and every day. And now may the power of God's love be in your hearts and reflected in your lives now and always. Go in peace, and may God's peace be with you. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe, stay connected, and stay in His Word. God bless you all.